Hey, good morning and welcome to the bridge. Would you stand to your feet and put your hands together with us? Hey, if you're joining us in person, we're so thankful you're here. If you're watching online, we're thankful you're here as well. Let's put our hands together. Come on.
many mighty works for us, amen? And we worship God for who he is in our lives. So whether he's done something for the past, is doing something in the present, or will do something for you in the future, he is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let's worship him this morning.
Amen. How many of you are grateful that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? You know, that phrase was resonating in my heart this morning, and then Jessica said it as we were worshiping together. It just reminded me that our God is for us. He has generationally been with us, and generationally he will continue to be with us and see to it that he is with our children and our grandchildren and those who will come after us. Is anybody grateful for that today? You know, it reminded me, Psalm 145 says in verses 3 and 4, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I'm so grateful this morning that the God that I believe in is not limited to a book from thousands of years ago, but the same God that poured his spirit upon those who followed him is still here today to pour his spirit out upon us and lead us and guide us every single day of our lives. And I just feel it in my heart to say this this morning to families that are in the room because we know in both of our services today we're going to have lots of families and kids. For all the kids who are in here, your parents' God is not just your parents' God. He is your God too. He's with you. He's for you. He loves you and he has a plan for you. This morning, can we just open our hearts and just thank God that he's with us, that he's for us, and that he goes before us? Just lift your hands right there where you're at today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And God, even if we got nothing out of it in return, you would still be worthy of our highest praise. But yet you love us so much that you pour your presence out in the midst of our praise and our worship. We're so grateful for that today, God. And as multiple generations are represented here in this place today, we just open our hearts today, God, and say, you are our God, and we will praise you. We will lift high the name of Jesus in our lives. You have done great things. You are great, so greatly we will praise you. God, today we open up our lives and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would do new things in our life. God, we make ourselves available for you to do something new. We open our ears and our hearts for you to do something different, something that you haven't done before in our lives. God, we give you permission to come and do that today. God, we know that we've been in a season of preparation and we will continue to prepare ourselves, but today we invite you to come in and speak to us and have your way. Do what you want to do in our lives and in your church, in this place today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just lift our voices one more time. Let's give our God a hand clap of praise in this place today. Amen. Is anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Wow, you look fantastic today. I really hope you came expecting with open hearts for God to do some new things, to speak some new things to you today, because we're believing for God to do great things in this place. Hey, before you're seated in just a moment, we want to let you know the family room is open today in the youth center for all of the families who would like to take their families and join us there. We have plenty of space and tables available for you. If you'd like to keep your family in here in the auditorium, you are welcome to do that as well. We just want to give you that option. So before you're seated, turn around, give somebody a big smile, let them know you're happy to see them this morning. And we'll get into the word in just a few moments. But first, as you're seated, let's check out church news today. Bridge family, we're so happy to be in church with you. 
It is the first Sunday of October, and even though it's still warm outside, a new season is upon us. We want you to know about everything coming up here at the bridge this fall, so let's check out church news and see what's going on. We are very excited to announce that after a long delay, Connecting Point is happening again here at The Bridge. If you are new to the church or new in your faith, and you want to find out more about putting down roots and making The Bridge your home church and getting involved, Connecting Point is your next step. This is where you go to learn more about the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge, but most importantly, where you fit in. If you'd like to come, you can join us in person or online next Sunday, October 11th, during the 11.30 a.m. service. Just sign up on our website or the Bridge app if you'd like to join us. We want to help you get plugged in and make the Bridge your home church. Community Care is looking to expand our drivers and pickup team. This team picks up donated food from local grocery stores and sorts it for weekend distribution. Pickups take place Monday to Thursday mornings as well as Saturday mornings. If you are interested in joining this incredible team and have the availability during the mentioned times, please email nsmith at thebridgechurch.tv. We're kicking off a brand new season of Bridge Women with a girls' night out this coming Friday. The night will include time to connect, worship, an inspiring message, and of course, dessert. Meet us out on the front plaza at 6.30 and bring a blanket or a lawn chair to enjoy this night under the stars. This is a free event, so make plans for your own child care for your little ones and bring your junior high and high school girls with you. We'll see you Friday night at 6.30. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place in the family. We invite you to go to our website or the Bridge Church app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't have the Bridge app, just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. This is the best way to stay up to date with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being here today. We love spending Sundays with you. Good morning. How you doing today? Hey, it's great to see you in first service, our very first week of two Sunday morning services started up again. Really glad the early birds are here today. God bless you. Those of you who are joining us online, thanks so much for joining us. It's going to be a great day. We've got a guest with us today who's no stranger to the Bridge Church. He's been here on many occasions. He's really, I guess, almost once a year now. He is here with us. Uh, every time he comes, he leaves something with us that really makes a difference in our lives and in our church. And before I introduce Bayless Conley and have him come up today, uh, we all know behind every good man is a better woman. Come on, ladies, I give you a cue. You need to jump in right there. Janet, we're so glad you're here today. Would you stand and just wave at everybody? Let us welcome you today. Really glad you're here. Hey, we're going to hear from God today, and I am so excited to get into God's Word. So if you would, join me, put your hands together. Let's welcome Bayless Conley today. It is good to be back 
And I bring you greetings from your sister, Cottonwood Church, Cypress, California. You may not know it, but we are connected. And uh, we got people that pray for you and that love you. They love your pastors. And uh, hopefully what Pastor Gary said will be true when we're done. There will be some deposit here, something that you can, can use, something that, that can change you, that can help you. I was thinking about Jesus' interaction with the disciples just prior to his arrest, crucifixion. And he said to them, listen, I'm going to go away, but it's to your advantage that I go. And they had to be thinking, you've got to be kidding. How could that be to our advantage? We've seen you raise the dead. You've healed the sick. You've multiplied loaves and fishes. You walk on the water. You, you calm the storms. And you're saying, it's to our advantage that you leave us? He said, yes, it's to your advantage because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. More advantageous than having Jesus there in the flesh. And I just want to share with you briefly four advantages, four things that we can expect, should expect the Holy Spirit to be doing in and through <clears throat> our lives. Number one, we should expect the Holy Spirit to inspire our speech. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 4, beginning verse 16. It says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And as he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he found, when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now Jesus found out where it was written about him in the book of Isaiah, and that is what he proclaimed. And the first thing he said, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. You know, some people have come to equate human eloquence with the anointing. I want to tell you they are not the same thing. Some people equate a preacher's ability to articulate truth and maybe to work a crowd and to get people to laugh. They equate that with the anointing, but it is not the same thing. And I do believe that a preacher should, should develop his or her gift so that they, they can be as eloquent as possible and take that to the highest level possible. But without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you may as well be shooting rubber bands against the wall. It just will not have an impact upon people's lives. But if you get a minister that prepares their heart and then shares truth from the word, those words can become like arrows of the Almighty that pierce people's hearts. In fact, Holy Spirit-inspired words can do everything Jesus quoted in verse 18. They will enrich the poor, they will heal broken hearts, they will liberate captives, they'll heal the blind, and they will set the oppressed free. That's what happens when the Spirit of God anoints our speech. You know, you can read the story in Acts 6 and 7. 
It says they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. In fact, it says that his words cut them to the heart. You know, I got saved in a little street mission in Medford, Oregon. I was a drug addict, had a lot of problems in my life, and God rocked my world in that little place. People laid hands on me, never had another illegal drug in my body, and it's been over 40 years. Um, so I, I started going back to that little street mission and participating, and I remember one night a few weeks after I'd gotten saved there, the, the place is packed, it's filled with homeless people and substance abusers, etc., etc., and there's a couple of migrant workers there from Mexico. And somebody came up sharing a, a simple gospel message, talking about Jesus, but there was just an ugh in the words. It just, ugh, just impacted you. And they got done, and one of those migrant workers lifted his hand and he stood up. And English was not their first language. So they actually, through an interpreter, said, look, we, we don't understand. And he looked at his friend. They're both crying. There's tears rolling down his face and down his friend's face that is sitting there. He said, we don't understand everything that you said. We know you're talking about Jesus. Can you please pray for us? They laid, people got around and put hands on them. They led them in a sinner's prayer right there, and they got saved. And what he said, I will never forget it. As he's looking at his friend and crying, he said, we don't understand everything that you said, but while you were talking, our hearts burned within us. My friend, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I can tell you honestly that on a number of occasions in my life where I've come out to a meeting just like this, at one point in the message, it was as if everyone else in the room disappeared and God was talking directly to me. He was speaking the secret language of my heart and I was overwhelmed, like, God, you see me. You, you see me. And I got direction that I needed from God. I, I got assurance that I needed from God. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. You know, there was a meeting some years back held in Jerusalem. And the main speaker was probably the most well-known healing evangelist in the United States at the time. And as well as a lot of other very well-known speakers were there, there's a big crowd. Most of them are unsaved. They've rented a big auditorium. And the person, you know, the healing evangelist gets up and, and starts to speak. And people in the crowd are laughing and they started to throw stuff down on the stage. About 10 minutes into the, the sermon, they got off the stage and they left. Never preached another message again after that day. Nothing happened. And so one of the other well-known speakers, you know, jumped up there to sort of, you know, try and recover things. And he pulled, you know, one of his favorite messages out of his back pocket and preached it. And I had someone share the story with me that was there, said it was deader than a hammer. 
just nothing. Gave an invitation, not a single person responded, prayed, no response at all. So they're going to close the service in defeat. They invited a little African couple up. I believe they were from Kenya. And they got up and said the woman was as big as a house. And she just folded her arms and started praying in the spirit. Just pray, pray, pray in the spirit. And her husband standing next to her looked at the crowd and he said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Here's the, the big woman. She's praying, praying, praying. And he said it again. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. He said it a third time. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And suddenly someone started to weep in the auditorium. He said it again. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. People began to come out from their aisles up to the front, fall down on their faces in the front of the, the auditorium there. He said it again. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Pretty soon there's weeping all over the auditorium. People are throwing packs of cigarettes and drug paraphernalia up on the stage. And there's hundreds of people on their knees sobbing and crying out to God. Just a little African couple praying and saying, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. My friend, it's the Holy Spirit. One Holy Spirit-inspired word can change your life forever. And you know, it doesn't just have to be from a platform with a microphone. I mentioned that I got saved in that street mission. What led up to it, I was in a park one day. I'd, I'd almost died the night before. I had overdosed on drugs, and I was really, really depressed. Miraculously lived through the night. I'm walking through this park, and a 12-year-old boy came up to me and told me about Jesus. First person that had ever shared the gospel with me in my life. I was in my 20s. I didn't know Jesus was alive. I'd never heard the gospel. And a 12-year-old kid came up to me. And, and he said, isn't he wonderful? And he went on and on and on talking about Jesus. It was actually through him and his family that I ended up at the street mission where I found Christ. But this, this kid, I'd never met anyone like him. I couldn't stop thinking about it. There was just something about him and about his words. Anyway, a couple weeks after I got saved, I'm with that kid and his mother. We're, we've gone to the hospital to visit someone. And we're visiting this person in the hospital. I look around and the kid's gone. So his mom says, will you find him? So I'm wandering around the hospital looking for this 12-year-old kid. I walk down this corridor. There's a guy sitting out on a bench with a hospital gown on. It's open in the back. And he's sitting on this bench and he's sobbing like a baby. I said, are you okay, man? He said, who was that kid? I've never heard anybody talk like that before. Who was that kid? I said, what do you mean? He says, this kid came in. He said, I've got a terminal condition, and he told me that Jesus could heal me. And I, I, I've never heard anyone like that. And I felt like, well, I know what you mean. He did the same thing to me. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire our speech. You know, when the leaders in the early church were threatened, they came back to their own company. It says in Acts 4 and 29, they begin to pray. It said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, 
The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. My friend, if we pray a prayer like that, God will answer us. You will have opportunities where you work, where you socialize, with family, with a, a stranger. God will give you an opportunity and he'll give you words to speak. It's one thing we can expect the Holy Spirit to do. Here's a second advantage, a second thing that we should expect him to do. That is to direct ministry activity. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 4, listen to it. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. Of course, Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. But the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit called, and the Holy Spirit sent them. There's a difference between being sent and just going. A little later, we find in Acts chapter 15, at this church at Antioch, Paul and Barnabas' home church, some Judaizers had come, some, some Jewish Christians, but they said, look, you know, you've got all these Gentiles in your church, they're not really saved. Because they have to keep the law of Moses, they have to be circumcised, and it's only through the doorway of Judaism and becoming a Jewish proselyte that then you can accept Christ and be saved. They really caused a problem. So Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem, you know, to, to find out, said, look, what is your word on this? Do we have to keep the law of Moses? Do we have to be circumcised? Or are they saved by faith alone? Really, really important. And so James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and Peter, and they all gather together, and they pray, and they talk, and then they send Barnabas and Paul back with a letter. And this is what James said in the letter in Acts 15, 28. He said, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And then he shared the things. But think about that language. Do we even hear that in the church today? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. The Holy Spirit here is directing ministry activity. You know, I think a lot of times churches have started and carried on. You know, we have a good idea. We do a demographic study. We hire a, a consulting firm. We hire a PR firm. And, and, you know, we do slick marketing. And that's all good. But it should be secondary to the Holy Spirit's guidance in the church. He wants to guide ministry activity in whatever area of ministry we're involved in. You know, I, somewhere along the line, as a young Christian, I got it in my head 
that whatever I didn't want to do, that's what God wanted me to do. <laughs> that whatever I, I disliked the most, that must be God's will. And in some ways it paid off because if I, you know, there'd be a bunch of bikers over there I think, man, I sure don't want to go to witness to them. I better do it. And I go walk into a pack of bikers and start witnessing to them and I got myself in trouble a few times. But, but my heart was right because when Jesus saved me, I said, Lord, I'm all in. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'm yours, period. But I, I had this idea and that I, I, whatever I, I wanted to do least, that must be what God wants me to do. And I kept having these desires, you know, to come back to California. I was living in another state, and I just push them down. I said, look, get behind me, Satan. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And the thought would come up, go to California, start a church. I said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and so I actually thought about the place in the world I would least like to go. And I got all my finances in order. And I contacted a ministry that was ministering in that country. And I made all the arrangements to go. Because I didn't want to do it. My heart was right. God, I'm going. My life is yours. And then I get a call from a pastor's wife in Banning, California. Somebody that I really respected. She said, Bayless, God told me to tell you. The Holy Spirit says, stop squelching those desires in your heart. They're from him. She said, I don't know what it means, but there you go. And she hung up. Right off the bat, I didn't know either. So I, I said, well, I respect this woman. And so I grabbed my Bible. I went to a local park, sat down on a bench, and sp spent the whole afternoon praying and reading my Bible, getting quiet. And at some point, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had this revelation from the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Those desires to go back to California and start a church are from you? It's like, Lord, don't you know I like California? Don't you know I want to be in California? And it was a Holy Spirit direction that changed my life, but it was also a paradigm shift for me. And I suddenly realized that wherever God calls you to be, he gives you the grace to enjoy it. And so I came back and actually was serving another church in the Inland Empire for two years. I was there. I went on staff. I told the pastor, I said, the day's going to come. I'm going to start my own church. I want to work for you. I want to serve you. But you, you just need to agree to that because I know it's in my future. He said, Bayless, I know it. I agree. So two years there <clears throat> serving in this church. I'm sitting there. Pastor's preaching away on a Sunday morning and he could preach. And in the middle of his message, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I heard the words, it's time to go. I wrote on my notes, it's time to go, and I drew a picture of an alarm clock. Sermon got done, you know, some people got saved. The pastor walks up to me and says, Bayless, in the middle of my sermon, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, really, what did he say? He said, it's time for you to go. <laughs> and so we went and we started your sister church, Cottonwood Church. It's now located in Cypress, California. Now, my, my, my point in all this is that the Holy Spirit directs ministry, and we need to get back to that. And of course, sometimes the Holy Spirit's guidance is very, very subtle and not so dramatic. 
You remember the story, it's in Acts, well, it's in Acts 15 as well. A few verses after, you know, James sent the letter, said, look, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not add any other things to you. Well, as well as Paul and Barnabas coming back from Jerusalem to Antioch, Silas and another guy named Judas came back with them as well, just to confirm, this is from James, this is what happened. And so Silas and Judas, you know, stayed for a period of time. You can read all about it in Acts 15. And then it says they sent them back to Jerusalem. But then we read the word however. It says, however, it seemed good to Silas to stay. That's all. It seemed good. And so Silas stayed. And then we know what happened. You know, Paul said, hey, let's go on our second missionary journey, Barnabas. Let's go back and visit all the churches. Let's win some more souls. Let's establish the saints. And Barnabas says, okay, we'll take John Mark with us again. And Paul said, he's not coming. He bailed on us in the middle of the first journey, and I don't trust him. And Barnabas said, no, he's coming. Paul said, he's not going. He was a mama's boy. And the contention between them grew so sharp Barnabas took John Mark, sailed for Cyprus, and as far as the biblical record goes, we never hear another word about Barnabas. And so Paul needs another companion. Paul and Barnabas were the ones that we read. They were called in Acts chapter 13. The Holy Spirit says, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. But they got in a big fight. Barnabas took off. They were God's one-two punch. So what's going to happen? Silas. He went with Paul. And they made history. Including going into Philippi. Where Lydia was saved. That that town commanded the road between Europe and Asia. It opened the door to Europe. And secular historians say the turning point of Western civilization was the conversion of Lydia. Silas was a part of that. All right? The most important decision he'd ever make in his life, it's going to affect the world. And how does the Holy Spirit lead him? It seemed good. In one verse, James said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And and now Silas is supposed to go back to Jerusalem, but it seemed good. Friends, some of you, The Holy Spirit has already been talking to you. Sometimes it's as subtle as it just feels right. But he does want to direct ministry activity. All right, the third thing, third advantage of the Holy Spirit is he helps us as we pray. I know you know these verses, but listen to them. Acts chapter, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So we don't fight against flesh and blood. And in this, this fight, he says, look, when you pray, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it says, and the Word of God is alive. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, that's one of the most interesting words in the whole New Testament, two-edged. It literally means double-mouthed. It means two mouths. Double-mouthed sword. We find Jesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Out of his mouth comes a sharp, two-edged sword, a double-edged sword. And here's the thing. God has given us his word. There's one edge. When we speak his word, that's the second edge. God's mouth is the first mouth that speaks it. Our mouth is the second mouth. And when both of us speak that word, power is released. In the wilderness, what did Jesus do when he's tempted by the devil? He spoke the word of God. He used the sword of the Spirit. And he said, look, when you pray, take the sword of the Spirit, this two-mouthed sword, praying always with all prayer and supplication, especially for the saints. When we pray, when you pray for your pastors, when you pray for the church, be sensitive. The Holy Spirit will give you scriptures to pray. And when you speak those scriptures out in the place of prayer, my friend, power is released. Especially as we pray for the saints. Now, what do we do when we don't know what to pray for? Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Even when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Very, very close friend of mine was talking to him. He's got this burden to pray. He doesn't know what it's about. He gets on his knees and for quite a while he's praying, praying in other tongues, waiting on God, and there's just this burden. And as he's praying, suddenly the thought came to him that he was praying for the father of a friend of his. And he thought, that's odd. I've never even met that man's father. But he prayed and, and then the burden lifted. Felt like he'd gotten a breakthrough, whatever it was. Later that week, he calls his friend, says, hey, just, I got kind of a strange question. How's your dad? He says, well, it's funny that you ask. He said, my dad's been going through a really rough patch. I never told you, but he's been battling cancer. And it's been really bad lately, but the weirdest thing happened. Earlier this week, he went in for his treatment, and they couldn't find the cancer anywhere. It was gone. It's disappeared. My dad is healed out of the blue. My friend said, really? That's really, really interesting. You know, my wife that uh, 
stood up a few minutes ago. I was doing some ministry in Australia years ago. And I've gotten on the plane and I noticed I got a voicemail on my phone. So I got like a minute or two that I can, I can check it before we've got to turn all our devices off. And I listened to it, and it's our son Spencer, you know, who's much younger at the time. But uh, this is typical Spencer, you know, man of few words. Uh, hey, Dad, yeah, Mom fell, and she hit her head really hard. And uh, we took her to the emergency, and they, they sewed her head up. And uh, we, we brought her home, but she's sitting on the edge of the bed and she's saying a bunch of really weird stuff that doesn't make any sense. Okay, bye. <laughs> and I got to fly 14 hours back with that, you know, ringing in my head. Anyway, I get back and she's okay. She's got a bunch of stitches. And that next day, a friend of ours named Diane called. Said, how is Janet? I said, why do you ask? I said, the Holy Spirit had me up all night praying for her. I don't know what's going on, but I was on my knees all night long praying for Janet. Well, that was the night she fell and hit her head. My friend, the Holy Spirit wants to help us. I know of a couple had a good medium-sized church in Texas. Had a bunch of roughnecks that attended the church, the guys that worked out on the oil rigs. And one night they've gotten in bed and the wife gets up and kneels at the foot of the bed and she's praying. Her husband said, come to bed. She said, I can't, honey. I got a burden to pray. She says, what are you praying for? She said, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit wants me to pray. He said, well, I can't sleep. I'll pray with you. So they both kneel at the foot of the bed and they pray in tongues for about 20 minutes, half hour. They go to bed. She gets up again. Starts praying, says, honey, whatever it is, it's not done. He gets up, prays with her. They pray for a while, get back to bed. She gets up a third time. He says, man, I want to get some sleep. Why don't we pray that whoever it is that we're praying for, that God will give them a dream and warn them. And so they do that. They pray, God, whoever this is, whatever this is, can you give them a dream so we can get some sleep? And the burden seemed to lift. Well, that next Sunday... One of the, the roughnecks from the, the oil field that went to the church there came up and talked to them and says, i got to tell you this story. He said, the other day I went to work and my foreman was there. There was a couple of guys standing around. He told me to climb this rig and you know, take care of this and that. So I'm climbing up the rig. I got two-thirds of the way up and I suddenly remembered a dream I had that night. He said, I dreamed that a cable broke loose and came swinging over and cut off my head. He said, I climbed down that thing as fast as I could. I, I couldn't catch my breath. The foreman said, I told you to get up there. He said, I'm not climbing up there. He said, yes, you are. He said, no, I'm not. He said, why? He says, I had a dream last night that that cable broke loose and cut my head off. I'm not climbing up there. And one of the other guys standing there laughed at him and said, I don't believe in that hocus pocus. I'll go up there, boss. He climbs up that rig. That cable broke loose, went flying over, cut his head off, and the guy's head fell right behind the foreman on the ground. The Holy Spirit wants to help us even when we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. He wants to help you. It's to your advantage that Jesus went away so that the Holy Spirit could come. And the fourth thing he wants to do and we should expect him to do is to work the miraculous. Romans 15 verse 18 
For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem round about to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. You know, even we read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians, you know, chapter 12. Working of miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of special faith. You know, the the utterance gifts, the revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, these supernatural things the Holy Spirit does through his church. Paul takes them through this journey and he comes into the 14th chapter and listen to the language he uses. He says, desire spiritual gifts. He said, covet to prophesy. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Seek to excel in the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, my friend. The gifts of the Holy Spirit work by desire, not by maturity. They don't come into operation because we've been saved many years. They don't come into operation because we live holy and just lives. They come into operation through desire. Desire spiritual gifts. Another verse says, desire earnestly. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Seek to excel. And I believe the Holy Spirit meets us to the level of our desire. And if we'll get hungry and get on our knees and begin to seek him and turn those desires into prayers, I believe we will see a flowing out of the supernatural like we have not experienced before. I was talking to Tom Schulte. He's one of our pastors, good friends with Pastor Gary and Ann. We call him Father Tom. He was a Catholic priest for about... Oh, I don't know, 16, 17 years and been on staff with us for over 20 now. He's a marvelous guy, happy all the time. And uh, he was at the local dry cleaner and he knows the dry cleaner. And he went in there, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he said, hey, you look really sad. Is everything okay? And the dry cleaner said, no. And he actually calls him Padre. He says, Padre, no. He said, uh, I'm actually scheduled to go in on Friday and they're going to remove this eye. He said, I lost the sight in it a long time ago. He said, but the pressure is so great in it. They said, I have no other option. You know, I've been getting treatments forever. And they said, it's at that stage, I have to lose the eye. And so Tom began to talk to him. And I don't know what the numbers are, but I think like the, the normal pressure number was like 15. But his was 72 or 80 or something just extravagantly high. He says, but I don't want to lose my eye. Tom said, well, you know, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father, he'll give it to you. We can pray. And so they got there in the dry cleaner's place and prayed that his eye would come down to a 15. Anyway, Tom leaves, comes back the next Saturday. The guy is supposed to have gone in Friday to have his eye out. He's there, and he's got his eye. And he says, Padre, Padre, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. He said, what do you mean? What happened? He says, well, I went in Friday for the surgery, and they tested it, and it wasn't a 15. It was down to a 14. And the, the, the girl said, this is impossible. The machine must be broken. So they took me and tested me on another machine, and it was a 14 on that one as well. 
He said, and the doctor came in, and he says, all I can tell you, this is a miracle. You can go. And, and he brought his wife in. He says, I want you to meet the Padre. He, he, he's a Padre at, at Cotton Balls Church. Tom said, well, it's actually not Cotton Balls. It's Cottonwood Church, but that's... But, but going out there, you know those verses that, w- that we just read from Romans 15 and 1 Corinthians 2 where Paul talked about signs and wonders and the power of God and the Holy Spirit moving. Every one of them is in the context of going out. You see, it's not about putting on a show in church or doing something that's contrived. It's not about learned Pentecostal behavior. But it's about the culture of God's people as we go out and mingle with humanity that we should expect the Holy Spirit to move. I had a friend when I lived up in Oregon when I was first Christian. Her name was Rose. Rose was an old woman. She was a Modoc Indian. And Rose had a niece that was a wild child. She was an alcoholic and had been in and out of hospital due to her alcoholism. She destroyed her liver. They said her stomach was like Swiss cheese. She could only eat a tiny bit of baby food, and normally she'd vomit that up. And she was a rough girl. I mean, spent a good part of her lifetime in bars, getting in fights, and just just rough. And she'd just been in hospital again, and they told her, said, look, there's nothing we can do for you. You will die. Your stomach is, is beyond repair. Your liver is beyond repair. You will be coming back to see us, but you won't be going out the same door. We give you a few months to live. Whatever this means to you, get your house in order. That's what you must do now. And so the niece goes to Rose and says, Aunt Rose, you know, this is what they said. And the strangest thing, I hear fluttering sounds around my head. What is that, Aunt Rose? Rose says, well, that's the angel of death. You better come to church with me. And she brought her out to a meeting in in what's called a a Grange Hall. It was in Klamath Falls, Oregon. And uh, an evangelist was preaching. There was maybe 80 of us there. And Rose brings her niece up. And he prays for her to be healed. You know, they explain what was going on. And then he said to her, look, I'm taking you out for a greasy hamburger when the service is done. She says, I can't eat that. I'll die. She said, no, you won't. You're healed. Anyway, takes her out after the service, gets her a greasy hamburger. She takes a bite, expecting to start vomiting it up. No effect. She eats the whole hamburger. She's healed. She gives her life to Christ. Her mom and dad came the next night. Her dad was a famous rodeo rider. They got saved. Her daughter got saved. Her boyfriend got saved. And then, you know, not knowing any different, she she went back to the reservation, and she told everyone they had an artesian well that had gone dry years before. She said, I'm going to go to the meeting, and the evangelist is going to pray, and God's going to restore our artesian well. If he can heal me, he can do anything. She told everybody. And so she comes into the meeting the next night and says, I told everybody that you're going to pray and God's going to restore the well. And you can see the evangelist swallow really big. He said, okay, and I will never forget it. She stood there, simple faith, lifted her hands like this, eyes shut, her face just beaming, like, of course, daddy's going to do this for me. He laid hands on her and prayed that that artesian well would, would come back the next morning 
It was gushing water out of the ground. That night, you couldn't get in the building. There were Modoc Indians packed from the back to the front, from wall to wall, and they gave their lives to Jesus in mass. Friend, the Holy Spirit has not changed. He wants to inspire our speech. He wants to direct ministry activity. He wants to help us as we pray, and he wants to move in the supernatural. I'd like you to stand your feet for a moment, if you would. I want to pray with you. One thing that we can do, we can pray that Acts chapter 4 prayer together that God would grant us boldness and that he would stretch out his hands to heal. You know, this season we're in, as the people of God, it hasn't taken God by surprise. With all of the, the confusion and the, the fear, I think the precious fruit of the earth is getting ripe and God's looking for a people that are all in. He wants to move through them. Will you pray with me? Father, we stand before you as your sons and daughters. And Lord, in humility, we ask you, knowing that we can't manufacture these things on our own. We can't whip ourselves into some frenzy that, that looks like the real thing. But God, we want the genuine move of the Holy Spirit. Grant us boldness to speak your word in our schools, in our jobs, in our neighborhood, over the fence to the next door neighbor, with our family members. God, grant us boldness as we go out. And we pray that you stretch forth your hand to heal. Lord, we realize you're the healer. You flow through us. We're asking you for opportunities to be bold to pray for the sick, to speak up in your name. And Holy Spirit, we trust that you will empower us and that you will guide us. We thank you for hearing this prayer, Father. Now, please, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment, if you would. If you've come today, a family member or friend, maybe by yourself, and you've not made your peace with God, I just want to give you the opportunity to do it. The Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And then at about 30 years of age, he entered into ministry and he healed the sick. He cleansed lepers. He raised the dead. He spoke like no one had ever spoken before. People hung on every word. Some of the religious leaders became insanely jealous and they persecuted him, arrested him, put him through a mock trial. He was taken. He was beaten without mercy. And they nailed him to a cross. And there suspended between heaven and earth, the sky suddenly turned dark. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For at that moment... He became your sin substitute. God laid the penalty of the sin of the world on his own son who had willingly gone to that cross to die in our place. He bore the weight of our sin and it literally crushed him. And he died. 
But after three days and three nights, the claims of God's eternal justice were once and forever satisfied. And by the same Holy Spirit we've been talking about today, Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Bible says if you believe that, you're willing to make him the Lord of your life, that God brings you into a relationship that the scriptures call salvation. It's not about ritual. It's not about ceremony. It's not about mindless prayers. It's about walking and talking with your creator. It's what you were made, made for, my friend. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. But I'd like to include any prodigal sons or daughters that are here today. You've had an encounter with Jesus, but right now your heart is far away from God. I've got good news, prodigal. God's not mad. But it's high time for you to come home. The Father's waiting with open arms. Now I'm going to lead the congregation all in a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you to do something. Those of you that know you need to pray this prayer, you're away from God or you've, you've never met him. I'm just going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to lift a hand when I get to three. It's just an outward way to say, yeah, I'm in. Consider it a reflection of your heart. Your heart's reaching up to God. Your hand will just mirror it. I'll acknowledge any hands I see. You can put them down and then we'll pray. One, this is your moment, friend. It's not a coincidence. You're here and that we're gathered together. Two, are you ready? Are you ready? Three, just put that hand up. See that? It's awesome. Others, thank you. Yep, back there, back there. God bless you. Back there, several hands. It's awesome. Just put on ball. I love it. You got two hands up back there, another one back there. Thank you. All right, right there. Fantastic. So good. All right. Everybody in the house, put a hand on your heart if you would. Tie your heart around these words. Let's speak them to God. Say, Oh God, with all of my heart, I come before you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for not forgetting me. Thank you for loving me so much that you would send your own son to die for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead. And today I give you my life. I confess you as my Lord. And I want you to know, Jesus, I'm all in. Amen. Pastor Zach. Amen. Can we thank Pastor Bayless for that message this morning? Please go ahead and be seated right there where you're at for just a couple more moments. I just want to take a moment and just talk about what just happened. Maybe you're here today and you made that decision for the very first time, or you made a decision to recommit your life to Christ today. I just want to ask you if you'd give me just a couple moments to give you very, some very important instructions, because this might be the most important thing that we'll do in our service here today. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus for the first time or recommitment, we want to help you start your walk with God. This is not about us. This is about you starting this journey because this walk with God is something that you do throughout the course of your life. And we want to help you take your next few steps. Today, if you are here in the building, we would love to meet you right after the service. You can stop by the next seven days desk. It's between the glass doors. Before you leave the building, we'll have a team there. And they would love to give you a gift called the next seven days. It's a simple tool to help you start 
your walk with God. Today you might have made that decision and you say, Zach, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I would love for someone just to pray with me, to stand with me, to encourage me. We have people that are here today that would love to pray with you. We have prayer teams that will be here right after the service. And on each end of the floor here in the auditorium, we'll have prayer teams over there to my right and to my left. You can walk up to those prayer teams. They're happy to pray with you, to stand with you, to encourage you. But if you made that decision to follow Jesus today, they will give you the next seven days and help you get started in your walk with God because we don't want you to do it alone. We want to help you get started in this journey. If you're watching online and you made a decision right there in your home or wherever it is you're watching from, maybe you're watching on demand later on in the week, you made a decision to start your walk with God and surrender you know, lordship of your life to him, just go to the Connect tab right there on our website on thebridgechurch.tv. You can fill out that Connect card. There's a box there that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. We are happy to help you to send you the next seven days and let you get started in this walk with God with us together. We want to help you do that. Hey, as a family together this morning, can we just put our hands together? and welcome people into God's family. Wow, what an amazing thing. We all started there, and how cool is it that we can still continue to help people walk into a relationship with God? Amen. What a very, very cool thing. You know, it's a great day, and one of the things that we're going to do before we conclude today is just honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings today. You know, when it comes to our giving, I want to just first of all take a moment to say thank you thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity, for your faithfulness, for putting God first when it comes to your finances. You know, God has been so good to us. He's been so faithful to us that the least we could do is respond faithfully by putting him first in this area of our lives. And, you know, this church is, is so full of faithful people and we are able to do the work of God because God has been good to us but because you have responded with your faithful generosity and I just want to again say thank you and commend you for your faithfulness over these last few months to see how we have been able to meet needs right here in our community through community care through the increased giving in our missions partnerships around the world that is nothing but a testimony of the goodness of God and your faithfulness and we are so thankful for that so thank you so very much if you'd like to give a tithe or an offering today there are different ways that you can give on the screen. You can give digitally right there through the Bridge app or on your phone. If you're watching at home, you can give online or through the Bridge app. If you're here in the room and you'd like to give a physical gift, you can bring that gift. There's envelopes there on the back of your seat and you can drop them in one of the giving stations before you exit the building. There is a giving station on each side of this first set of exit doors to your left or to your right or in the foyer near the kids check-in area. There's a giving station there as well that you can stop by and you can drop your gift off there and we'll be happy to receive that later on. So thank you again so much for your faithfulness in giving. We're so, so grateful for it. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? It is so good to be back in the house with you. We're excited because we have another service here in just a little bit, and we're very much excited about it. Ladies, Friday night, this coming Friday night, Bridge Women Outdoor Service to kick off our season of Bridge Women at 6.30. It's going to be great right out here on the plaza. We hope, ladies, that you will join us. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day and an awesome week, and we'll see you very soon.